Somebody say praise the Lord. Amen. Let us stand to our feet tonight. Hallelujah. God is good. And worthy to be praised. Amen. Hallelujah. How many know that God knows what to do with your life? God knew before you was even formed in your mother's womb what he would do with your life. And so you didn't enter into this world worthless. You didn't enter into this world useless. You entered this world and God had a plan for you before you even got here. And so God knows what to do with your life. God also knows what to do in your life. God knows what to do through your life. And so God knows these things. He can perform these things. The only question that is left to ask is, have we given this life to him for him to do what he wants to do with it? Because that's all that's needed. He's awesome enough, powerful enough, all-knowing enough to do what he designed your life to do. He can do that. He can perform the work that he desired to do in your life before you were even formed in your mother's room. Think about that. Not when you were born. You, you didn't come out of the womb and he says, hmm, know what I'll do with you? Mm-mm, mm-mm. No, no. He knew you before you were formed 
in your mother's womb. So you were, your life was in the mind of God before you even got molded and shaped in, in, the, in the womb of your mother. Your life was in his mind. And so God knows just what needs to be done in your life. He knows what to do with your life. He knows how to work through your life. The question is, will we give him our life? And so let's go before the Lord with those thoughts tonight and just ask him to help us and show him, ask him to show us in the the different ways that we can surrender our life, how we can give our life to him for him to work in our life, for him to accomplish his will in our life, because he can do what he wants to do if we will do that. If we will not rebel or reject what he's doing, he will do an amazing work in our life. So let us pray. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus, we are grateful to be in your house one more time. We're thankful, Lord God, because we understand that you have been in charge in our life, that you are responsible that we made it to this point. We cannot take the credit. All we know, Lord God, that your grace and your mercy has been shed upon us, Lord God. And we're here this evening because of your grace and your mercy, not because we deserve to be here, not because we did any great thing to be here, but we're here tonight because of your grace and your mercy. We are called the children of God because of your grace and your mercy. We have potential and abilities because of your grace and your mercy. And tonight, Lord God, we are grateful that we have this opportunity, one more chance, Lord God, to come before you and worship you together in the beauty of holiness and adore you. And, oh God, surrender and give our life to you to say, God, do whatsoever you please with this life. And so, God, we're taking the responsibility to repent of our sins tonight, Lord, for we can say that we have sinned and come short of your glory. And, oh, God, we're asking for mercy again. We're asking, almighty God, for forgiveness again. We're asking, almighty God, for you to erase and to wash us again. We're asking, Lord God, that you, Father, will cleanse us and that we will be clean, that we're able, oh, God, to be the vessel that you can work through, that, Lord God, you will see fit to touch us with your holy hands, that you will see fit, Lord God, to do a work in us, Lord God, Oh, Father, we ask that you will forgive us tonight. We ask, oh God, that this life that you have lent to us, that, Lord, you will take it and do whatever you want to do with it, Lord God. Only you know, Lord God. And so tonight we're asking in the name of Jesus Christ that, Lord God, you show us the things that we can do, Lord God, in surrendering our life to you, in giving ourselves to you to say, God, here we 
are. We want you to do whatsoever you please in us and through us. And oh God, let your will be done. For God, we want you to be glorified. We want you to be magnified through this life that you have lent us, oh God. And tonight we ask one more time that you do whatever you please. That as you equip us with knowledge, as you reveal your scriptures, your word, oh God, unto us, we will receive it with understanding, with excitement, with clarity, and oh God, with wisdom from you, how to apply it and live it out, Lord God. How, oh God, to let this light shine bright that is in us, that men will see our good works and glorify the Father which is in heaven tonight, Lord God. Will you have your way in this house and in every home that is connected virtually, Lord God? Will you have your way, oh great God? Will you show up in every person's space, their personal space that they're in right now? We ask that you will come in and take charge. We ask that you will come in and consume. We ask that you will come in and stir and move and speak, oh God. For Lord, it is you that we want to entreat. It is you, oh God, that we want to be magnified. It is you that we've come, Lord, to praise and honor, Lord. Oh, great God, we want you to have your way. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. We ask tonight, Lord God, that no miracle working power of God will work in our hearts, will work in our lives, will work in our personal space. Even now, Lord God, let it be so as we pray and we ask you these things in Jesus' name. Oh God, let it be so. Oh God, let it be so according to thine will in Jesus' name. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. 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 Oh, glory be to God. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, God, we love you. Your will be done, oh, God. Your kingdom to come, Lord God. Oh, God, will you show us tonight, Lord God. Oh, Father, will you show us your glory. Will you reveal to us tonight, Lord God, the supernatural, oh, God. Will you, oh God, oh God, demonstrate among us and in us, Lord God, your will, oh God. Let there be signs, wonders, and miracles. Oh God, let the will of God be done tonight, Lord God. If we have not seen clearly, Lord God, will you, oh God, allow us to see clear tonight? Will you allow us, almighty God, to understand what we've not understood? And God, will you show us, oh God, how to implement, how to carry out? out, uh, how to activate, uh, how to take hold uh, of those things that you will show to us uh, that we must do. Uh, help us, Lord Jesus, uh, for God, uh, we need your help, Lord God. Uh, whatever it is that causes us, Lord God, uh, to be stagnated, uh, whatever it is, Almighty God, that causes us, Lord God, uh, to be complacent, uh, will you shake us, Lord God? Uh, will you shake us, oh God, uh, that we will begin to move again, Lord God, uh, that we will begin to 
to move forward again, Lord God. That we will begin to do the work of the ministry, Lord God. That we will begin, Lord Jesus, to, to truly, oh God, do what we were designed to do from before we were formed in our mother's womb. You had a plan, Lord God. We were in your mind, Lord God. You had our life laid out, Lord God, in your mind before we entered, oh God, into our mother's womb. Oh God, I pray and ask tonight that every one of us will walk in that life. Every one of us will fulfill that purpose for why you designed us, for why you allow us to be born, Lord God. Let every one of us fulfill that purpose here tonight, Lord God. Every one of us that have joined virtually, Lord God. Allow us to fulfill that purpose, Lord God, for which you allowed us to be born. For God, if we leave here, we want to leave here saying that we fulfill, oh God, the purpose for which we came into this world. I don't want to leave this world, oh God, without, oh Lord, fulfilling the purpose for which you allowed me to be born. And I pray that prayer tonight for everyone that is here and for everyone that is viewing virtually. Oh God, that none of us will leave this earth, leave out of this world without fulfilling the purpose for why you allow us to be born. Oh God, help us tonight that Lord, there will be surrenderance. There will be giving of ourselves to you, committing ourselves into your hand, Lord God, that you may do just what you please. That God, the day we leave here, Oh, God, we would have fulfilled the purpose. We would have fulfilled the purpose. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. You may be seated. Glory be to God. Last week, we started a lesson entitled Be Faithful. And um, we, we started out in the book of Timothy uh, Timothy chapter 4, verse number 12, and we started in 12, and we read 12 through 16, and I'm going to read that again tonight just for context, and as we move forward in our studying of us being faithful. It says, let no man despise thy youth, but be thou an example of the believers. Be thou an example of the believers, not of the non-believers, but of the believers. And how should we be an example of the believers? In the words we speak, in our conversation that we carry on, in love, in lifestyle, in faith, and in being pure. Verse 13 says, till I come, give attendance to reading, to exhortation, to doctrine. We must read the word of God. We must exhort anytime we can just encourage, build up. That's what we need to do. Verse number 14 says, neglect not the gift that is in thee. If you have the gift of the Holy Ghost, the Lord says, neglect not the gift. And I sure oftentimes uh, say, God, Greater is he that is in me than me that is in the world. I need your help. And the help is that Holy Ghost that's deep down in us, that's working even when we're not working. And I say, God, we need your help. Let your spirit help us. So neglect 
not the gift that is in thee. You have the Holy Ghost. He's in you, which was given thee by prophecy with the laying on of the hands of the presbytery. Meditate upon these things. Give thyself wholly to them that thy profiting may appear to all. Take heed unto thyself and unto the doctrine. Continue in them. For in doing this, thou shalt both save thyself and them that hear thee. Now, last week I, I mentioned to you when I started that I, I pray and I hope that as Christians, we will read our Bible and read it, not just to get through the reading, but read it to take in what's what you're reading. And I said, and then after we read it, we need to ask God to help us to understand that word according to what he wants us to understand, the way he intended for us to consume it. We got to pray and ask God for that because it, it, we have to guard against wanting to, the word of God to fit how we want to live our life, what we're comfortable with. And so we, we have to do that. Let me give you an example. Whatever you're not comfortable doing that is godly, you need to be praying and asking God to help you to do that. And you need to work yourself however you need to do to begin to start doing it. And so what are you talking about, preacher? Let me give you one example. <laughs> As people, we tend, majority of us, there's some of us that this is not true. We tend to usually want to speak to only people we feel like we want to speak to. There are people that we feel like, I just don't feel like I want to say anything to them. For whatever the reason. And so we do everything we can to avoid saying anything to them. Now, what's wrong with that? There's a few things wrong with that. But here's the most important thing. We're supposed to be helping one another. We're supposed to be encouraging one another. We're supposed to be loving one another. And so when you feel uncomfortable to want to go and speak to someone, that's when you need to pray, God help me. Let me get past that. Instead of going with the comfortable feeling of saying, eh, yeah, and then look for some flaw in that individual to tell yourself, see, I'm good. And so that's just one example of what I mean by when we're we're trying to do our best to, to, to make sure we are examples. We're, we're trying to do our best to be what God wants us to be because there are some things that God wants to do in our lives, but we won't let him. We won't let him. We, we, we find ways of rejecting God without 
making it seem that way in our mind. Because, you know, in, in order to disobey God, you have to work it in your mind that you're not disobeying him. That, that, that's the way you got to do it. You, you, somehow you got to say, well, I'm not disobeying God. And so, you know, I smile sometimes when people say, how can they? I'm like, we got to stop asking that how can they question. You're not walking in that person's shoe. You don't understand. But the bottom line is, if they're doing it, they have figured it out in their own way of thinking. Whether it's right or wrong, they have figured it out in their mind why it's okay for them to do it. So don't say how. You, you're supposed to now figure out how you can help them be better Christians. Not how can they be doing what they're doing. And the same go for yourself. How did I find myself doing that? God, you got to help me. And so we need to do like Timothy and like Paul. We've got to be examples as Christians to believers. And as examples to believers, you will automatically be examples to non-believers. Oh, yeah. They they will see your lifestyle and and look at it and say, okay, that's different. I'm sure some of you have heard that already. That's different. And so that's kind of the life that we need to live. We need to be examples. In our text, Paul spoke of being examples in word, in conversation, in manner of life, in love, in faith, and purity. Simply put, the world needs to see a faithful, or should we say, Faithful Christian witnesses. The world needs to see it. I will not stop to say that I still feel like a lot of us who are Christians are hindering people from getting saved more than we're helping them to get saved. Preacher, what do you mean by that? Where's our joy that we're saved? When, when, when we go about, are we, do we demonstrate joy when we show up? Do we, do people see us and say, wow, you just seem so good, like everything is all right with you? Man, I, I ran by ShopRite this morning after I left the gym, and quite surprisingly, I'm checking out, and not the not so old or but 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 not so young cashier said to me, "Good morning." I said, "Good morning." She said, "I am just so blessed." I said, "I'm just as blessed as you are." You're not getting that off on me. <laughs> There's no way I'm going to know I've got the truth and know who Jesus is and he's living in me. And I don't know what she's got, but she's got something. And she says, oh, I am so blessed. I wasn't going to shoot back. Oh, I am just as blessed as you are. With a big old smile. Couldn't see it under the mask. but. But the point is, people have to see our example to be encouraged to say, I got to give my life to God. I want to know this God that they're serving because they seem to be living life on a different level than I'm living life. And so, if we can live this life by example of the goodness that God has been showing us, and we show it to the world, I believe many more people will run to the kingdom than resist the kingdom. 
Our lives should bring glory to God, not reproach or a cause for disbelief. For unbelievers to believe, they must see the gospel lived out, not just spoken out. Mm -hmm. This is true for every Christian, but even more so those of us who are in leadership. Our conduct affects so many others, whether we hold a position in the church or not. Every person has a calling to share God with this world. Every one of us. Remember when I was young in church, I started getting the feeling that only some of us was supposed to do that. That's what people made me feel like. Oh, that's just what you all do. We do something else. But after I get to learn the word of God a little bit more and I get a better relationship with God, I realize, oh, no, all of us are called to share this thing with the world. Mm -hmm. This is what is meant by the, the, the ministry of reconciliation. I don't know if you read the scripture in, 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 in 2 Corinthians 5, somewhere around 17, where it talk, the scripture talks about the ministry of reconciliation. We've all, as Christian believers, been given the ministry of reconciliation. It is God's assignment for each of us to tell those who do not know the Lord they can be reconciled to God through Jesus Christ. You know what's funny? We can just simply say to someone, God wants to be reconciled with you. And that can stir some stuff up. It's not mean, but it makes someone think. Maybe one of us or some of us here tonight, or those of you that are virtually um, a part of our study tonight, need to use that line. God wants to be reconciled with you. You know why that's good? That, that causes them to ask a lot of questions. What do you mean? God wants to be reconciled with me. I never, I'm not lost. I don't, I don't have a problem with God. I mean, that opened up a lot of discussion. I think we ought to tell somebody that tomorrow. God wants to be reconciled with you. I think we'll get some good traction with that statement. Mm hmm. Believers must be faithful to the word as it pertains, pertains to salvation and Christian living and also in the ways we use the gift of language. We must be consistent. We must be careful of the language we use when we speak. Some language may not be curse words, but it could be a worldly word as opposed to a godly word and so we have to be careful the words that we use since we're supposed to be examples in words not just words but as we went on to talk about those other things our conversation should display God's love a good disposition faith and purity I'm talking about we need to be faithful mm -hmm. I'll tell you what faithful means Right before I end tonight. How do we handle failure? I think this is something we need to just talk about for a second here. How do you or me or anyone else that are supposed to be a believer in Christ, how do we handle failure when representing God and being an example to our world? Because I believe because we are uncomfortable 
uh, handling failure or we're afraid to fail. I think sometimes we try to be incognito or try to be low key in our being godly because we don't want when we do make a mistake, then we're going to look bad. Mm -hmm. But let me give you some good news here tonight. In the times we fail. When our words or conduct have not aligned with God's word. If we slip into a carnal mode in public, we need to be just as public about making the correction. I try my best as a Christian. Forget about preacher. I try to, you know, I try to not live my life as a preacher. I try to live my life as a Christian. (laughs) Somebody might hear that and and they don't understand it. But all of us are called to be Christians. All of us not called to be a pastor. (laughs) So who I am is supposed to be a Christian. And that's why I don't really think much about all the other stuff that they put a title on. Because I'm trying to be a Christian. Not all the, all the other stuff that God puts on me. I say, okay, Lord, but I'm a Christian, right? That's what I want to be. But my point of bringing that to your attention is you will hear me from often time uh, talk about failures and flaws and stuff. Because I want you to know that I know and I want you to know that I still make mistakes and I still struggle with things that I overcome. But why do I say it in public? Because I don't want people to think I'm a hypocrite. I want them to understand I'm not going around here acting like I'm holier than thou and I never make a mistake. And how can you make mistakes? You need to come up another level. No, no, no. I'm not going to. I know this. And I know the best of the best, they error. The best of the best, they have flaws. The best of the best, they fall down. We just have to make sure in public, we, we, just as well as living out this life, this Christian life in public, doing well, when we mess up, we gotta be ready to say, yeah. And I'm not saying get into the details of your mess. I am just saying, make sure you can say that, yeah, I, 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 I've, I've been through a situation where I just failed God. I've been through a situation where You know, it it just, I just was hard in my heart and I didn't listen to God. I've been through a situation where I succumbed to temptation. I mean, we got to say those things. (laughs) That never goes over well. But if we're going to be faithful and we're going to reach people, Those are the kind of things that we have to do. And that's a very essential and important part of your Christian living. Because when people see that, when people see that, you give them a chance. Too many of us that's behind this desk preaching. Man, when we get done, people walk out and say, that was great. But that's you. 
That's when they walk up. They leave the, these church services oftentimes. And man, that was a wonderful word. I'm inspired. But I just don't know how you do it because I, I just. And the, the issue is because you never had a chance to tell them that you had struggled with that before. You didn't have a chance to tell them that. And so, man, I got to fix all this stuff. You know, how, the old way I didn't have to do all of that. Huh? I'm telling you, man, it's always something. Got stuff talking to me? Ah, oh, help me, Jesus. Told you all about the good life. Ain't always good. Getting away sometimes. But the bottom line is, if we are going to make a great impact on our world, we need to make sure just as much as we can let them see the goodness of God, just as much as we can let them see how 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 God has blessed us and how we're fortunate and how the, the joy of the Lord is our strength and all of that stuff. When we make a mistake, we got to quickly own up to it. Say, yeah. Hmm. My barber just called me. Now my father-in-law calling me. You know, I used to come to church with, with no um, no electronic. Go, go put that in my bag. My barber calling me. My father-in-law calling me. I can't believe. My poor father-in-law. I thought he knew by now Thursdays I, I'm, I'm in church. Nicola, go talk to your dad. <laughs> she can't even mess with it. Just leave, leave my father-in-law alone. Leave him alone. Amen. All right, let's move on. Make sure publicly we can say, hey, you know what? We made a mistake, but God is good and God is able. If we do not, the world will not see a true pattern for being a believer in Christ. The world is going to think that they cannot achieve anything like we're talking about, because we just look like we, because you don't realize, but Brother Tom, you don't realize it. Or maybe you have. You know, you've been in church five, six years. You're doing your thing. I know that. There are some people around here that know that, but here's the problem. Somebody that comes in or came in a month ago, they don't know that. They think you got hello on your head. They don't know. But but when they start to realize who we are, that we're people just like them and we make mistakes and we fall down and we get up and, and we're here because of the grace of God, then they will be inspired to say, well, maybe I can make it too. But if we don't do those things, they won't believe they can make it. They're like, you all are perfect and good for you, but what about me? And so if we're going to be faithful if we're going to be examples we need to live that life both sides and i'm not saying live double-minded or double life but when you make a mistake you say i made a mistake when you're doing good you just do good and let the life of all phases of your life be seen among people that are believers and that are not believers Mm -hmm. each member 
of the family of God has a responsibility to be an example of godliness in his sphere of influence. Each member of the family of God has a responsibility to be an example of godliness in his sphere of influence. Uh, you frequent where you have influence. Uh, what kind of influence do you have in those areas? When we effectively communicate the gospel in ways that people want to ask questions and learn about God rather than run the opposite direction, we will be more effective and not expend valuable time on people who just are not yet interested. So let me say that real deal with that just a minute here. When people see you and they want because you are a super Christian, it's not good. That's not good. People need to see you and want to see you. wonderful and God is just so amazing and you know they want you to know what they know about God and they want you to know how much of the word of God they know when you do that you are subliminally flexing your muscles and people don't want that but you can see someone and says oh my goodness so good to see you look good what you've been doing with yourself I mean me it's about them. And you just go on and on about them. You don't have to put you in it. And if you really care about uh, getting God to them, you do it that way. And hear this. If you tell people enough about themselves, after a while they'll ask you a little bit about you. You'll get your time to shine, but let them shine. Let them shine. You'll get your time to shine. My goodness. To ministry and leadership. Because this is one of the reasoning we have in our mind as to why we're not living out some of these things is that we just say, you know, I'm just. I'm just not good at that. You know, that's just not me. And, you know, I believe God called me for something else. And maybe I can do, you know, something. And we, and we just come up with all of these excuses as to why we're not doing something. Remember, I told you that people just don't like, oh, I'm just not. That's not how life works. When people are not doing something in God that they're supposed to be doing, it's already worked out in their mind, in their mind and in their own thoughts a justifiable, godly reason why they're not doing it. Okay? So just get that. Don't start going through, how can he not see? Oh, stop. Just know that in their mind, in their mind, they understand it and in a godly way why they're not doing it. That's just not my gift. 
God didn't give me that gift. You know, all kind of things we say to just feel good about why we're not doing what God has equipped us to do. Timothy may have felt like he wasn't ready. He, he might, might, might have felt like, man, I'm young and all of this stuff. He was not the first, though, with excuse because we are some excuse making people. Remember Moses? Moses had excuses. When God told him he was the man to let the people go, his people go out of Egypt. When God says, you're the man, Moses. Moses, poor Moses. Moses felt he was not good enough. And that's fine. I get that part. But God said, He would be with him to accomplish his will. So we need to learn from this, these excuses. Now, Moses told God, God, I'm not good enough to go and tell Pharaoh, let your people go in and lead your people out of slavery. I can't do that. And God shut him down by saying, Moses, I will be with you to accomplish that task. How are you going to tell God you can't after that? You can find that in Exodus chapter three, verse 11 and 12. Moses was afraid the people would reject him. Like, look at me, God, I'm just a nobody. They would reject me. But God demonstrated to him that he would display the miraculous if Moses would obey. So God says, Moses, I'm going to do the miraculous through you. So don't worry about them rejecting you because when they see the miraculous, they will not reject you. Mm -hmm. God, let me tell you, God will confirm what he has called you to do, that no matter what people may want to say or do, they will not be able to deny that you've been called of God. So don't you worry about what people will say about you. All you say is, God, if you call me to do this, confirm it by how you work in my life. Moses felt inadequate due to his speech. But God answered that argument by providing Aaron, his brother, to be his spokesman. God answered all of Moses' concerns and proved to him he was chosen, qualified, and equipped by God to lead God's people out of Egypt. So, being faithful, doing what God called you to do, no excuse. Because God is not going to call you to do something you can't do. God doesn't call any, of, any one of us to go and do the impossible. He didn't call Timothy to do something Timothy couldn't do. In Luke chapter 14, verse number 16, the word of God says, Then said he unto him, A certain man made a great supper and bade many, and sent his servant at supper time to say to them that were bidden, Come! For all things are now ready. And they all with one consent began to make excuse. The scripture says that they began to make excuse. Now, listen to us. Listen to us. This is good. I love this text. I read this text a lot. And so 18 said they all began to make excuse. But again, to us, these aren't really excuses. But God calls them excuse because it's in red letter, isn't it? Uh huh. So listen to what they say. The first said unto him, I have bought a piece of ground 
and I must need to go and see it. I pray thee, have me excused. I'm sure in this day and age, man, you buy a house, you telling God, I can't make it this week, God. I just bought a nice house. This is the stuff that God talked about. God bless you with the money and the health and strength and the house. And you tell God, I got to go take care of the house. He calls it an excuse. I'm just telling you. I didn't call it that. Verse 19. And another said, I have bought five yoke of oxen. And I go to prove them. I pray thee have an excuse. I don't know if the yoke of oxen today might mean, I don't know, some cars. I don't know if the yoke of oxen might mean, you know, um, you've, you've got some cows, you know, you know, you know, some goats, you know what I'm saying? You know, you know, maybe you want some pigs. I don't want them, but I'm just saying, you know. And so, you know, you, you bought some livestock. You know, stuff that's going to get you farming and make you money. But I need to go see about them because that's going to start my business. So I need to go see about those things. Uh Uh-huh. Verse 20 says, and another said, I have married a wife. Ooh. Mm Mm-hmm. I have married a wife and therefore I cannot come. Then he going to quote the scripture, whosoever findeth a wife, findeth a good thing and obtain favor with God. Oh, we know how to make the excuses work. You see what I mean? Like we know how to make excuses work in our minds. So you see people doing stuff and you're like, how can they? Just relax. They've got something in their brain that tells them it's okay. Verse 21 says, so that servant came. And showed his Lord these things. Then the master of the house, being angry, said to his servant, go out quickly into the streets and lanes of the city and bring in hither the poor, keyword poor, the maim and the halt and the blind. And the servant said, Lord, it is done as thou has commanded. And yet there is room. And the Lord said unto the servant, go out into the highways and hedges and compel them to come in that my house may be filled. For I say unto you that none of those men which were bidden shall taste of my supper. Now, the first thing I'm going to tell you is this, which is pretty, pretty, pretty interesting. All of those excuses that they gave are uh, they're, they're, they're not excuses to God. So the best excuse you have when God says, come, ain't good enough. But here is the big picture or the big one that I see out of this. This is why. See, my Apple Watch is just ringing, calling myself out right about now. This is why the least you have, the better off you are. I'm calling myself out, so I'm not telling you this. I'm telling myself. The least you have, the better off you are. I'm pointing the finger to me. Because the deal is, when those people couldn't show up, remember, 
If you got married back in those days, you couldn't be broke. Oh, probably only today people getting married and don't have no money. But back then you couldn't marry nobody and be broke because you had to prove you can take care of that woman. You had to prove to her family you can take. So you couldn't be broke and get married back then. Had something. You couldn't buy no land and be broke. You couldn't get no oxen and be broke. So all the people that were invited that made excuse, they had it going on. And so the Lord showed us a great thing. He says, now, guess what? Go find the poor. They don't have nothing. They don't have no land. They don't have no marriage. They don't have nothing. Go get the poor. Go get the maim. Go get the halt. Go get all those people that have nothing. Because guess what? I know they'll show up because they don't have nothing. Because they don't have nothing to hold them back to say why they can't respond to the call of God. But we can still have things and be an example. We just got to know that God comes before everything we possess. God is priority and it doesn't matter what we own, what we possess, what we have. God takes priority over everything. But somehow we convince ourselves sometimes God won't mind. Do we ever stop to think sometimes God allow us to have some things just to reveal to us what's in our heart? We never stop. We just thought, oh, God is so good. He blessed. Yeah, he blessed you, but he's going to show you something, too. That you prefer your desires and your material, uh, you know, possessions and those things. You prefer them over God. That was that big thing him and Abraham had going. Abraham said, I give you my I give you my son, my only son. I give that to you, Lord. I will not withhold anything from you. So I'm not telling you tonight not to have stuff. I'm telling you that stuff better not come before Jesus. That's what I'm telling you. That stuff better not take precedent over your relationship with God. And the only way you can show that it doesn't is in your action, not by what you say. This story Jesus told reveal important principles. Responsibility does not allow for excuses. Responsibilities that God gives us, God will not take excuses. If God has called us and he's assigned responsibility to us, he expects for us So carry out those responsibilities above everything else. Mm -hmm. Imagine listening to this parable and hearing those last words. None of the men invited will taste of the supper. Put that into our understanding And God called this supper every Sunday, every Thursday, every Saturday. He called this supper and he invited everybody. And only when you want to show up, you show up. And God is saying, all right, eventually I'm going to I'm going to get some people in. That's going to want to come because they don't have anything to hold them back. 
They will not allow anything to hold them back. They're just going to show up. Get ready. I look forward to the day before the Lord return where we might see this church back with some people that are not well-to-do. Because when well-to-do people get an invitation to be someplace that they know they're going to be taken care of, they try to make it because they know this opportunity don't come all the time. But well-to-do people is just another opportunity. There's plenty of those. Mm -hmm. Who would buy land without looking at it first anyway? Who would buy oxen without examining them first anyway? So now you're getting to the point of the excuse. I got land. You're telling me, dude, and it's not even like these days where you went on the Internet and you saw the land through Google. <laughs> Lord help us. You didn't, you didn't look at Google Maps to see the land. And even then, you still need to inspect it because you need to walk on it. But anyway, back then, nobody was buying land without expecting. He told the Lord, I got to go inspect the land. Lord, stop lying. You bought some land that you never inspected. So, you know, it was an excuse. You bought oxen from whoever and you didn't check them out, make sure they were good. Excuse. So eventually we'll be able to see the excuse in what people are saying. But, you know, you just, as we like to say, pray for them. <laughs> the answer of those called to the banquet revealed their lack of desire. Lord, give us desire. Whatever we lack, Lord, give us desire to do the will of God. The people snubbed the invitation and the one who gave it. This parable teaches about salvation, but it also refers to a servant who was sent in the field to persuade the people to come to communion with the Lord. Today, you and I are the servants that are going out to communicate, to, 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 to compel people to come in and commune with God. That's our job. It's part of our responsibility is to go out and tell people they've been invited to this supper that God has prepared. And I know they, they, they might say, what supper? You want to eat? I know they want to eat physical food, but we're talking about spiritual food. But here's the catch. But if you invite them and they want physical food after church, take them out to eat too. That's how it works. You just tell them that God has prepared a supper for them. And it's at 1030. We want you to come Sunday morning or Thursday evening at 730. God has prepared a nice supper for you and he wants you to come. It's spiritual. Come and eat and you will be filled. Enjoy yourself. And if they want to go out after that, you take them out. Listen to this story. I'm finishing. Bye-bye and Kenneth Wendell received the Holy Ghost in 1959 in Oil City, Louisiana. I've been down Louisiana a few times, not just a couple, a few. I never heard of Oil City. <laughs> in 1965, together they attended Texas Bible College where they were the oldest full-time students. They were only in their 30s, but not many married couples were attending full-time in those days. Babai originally went to support her husband, but the dean called her into his office and said that if she was called to the mission field, she needed to be in school also. Sister Wendell had plenty of excuses. 
She had four children to care for and bills to pay, but she enrolled anyway. While she attended full-time in Bible college, she also worked driving a school bus, and on the other side, she managed the finances from some small business. In 1968, after two years and much hard work, the Wendells graduated and were appointed to the mission field in Ethiopia. Sister Wendell has testified many times of her struggle to embrace the lepers in Ethiopia. Her call and her circumstances demanded she faced her fears of working with men and women who smelled of dying flesh and suffered varying degrees of infection that had eaten away at their hands, feet, faces, and bodies. Sister Wendell knew God had sent her to minister to these people, but she was afraid to touch them. It was only after a humbling experience in prayer on the ground she was able to overcome her paralyzing fear of the disease and the strangeness and filth of the land that had hindered her from giving herself fully to ministering to the lepers. Soon after her experience, the first modern-day Ethiopians were baptized in the name of Jesus. An incredible revival swept through the land of Ethiopia. In 1973, just a few short years later, Kenneth Wendell passed away, her husband. Sister Wendell had many legitimate reasons now to leave the mission field, but she continued to serve faithfully in the work of the Lord for 50 years after her husband died. At the conclusion of her time in Ethiopia, she was able to allow herself to be used for what God created her for. You never know where God has taken you. All along, it seems like her journey was more for her than it was for her husband. Think about it. Husband put in two years. She put in 52 years. I'm not saying God didn't call both of them. What I'm saying is God had an extensive time for her to do the work of the ministry that he did for her husband. You, you don't know. All God is looking for is for us to make ourselves available to him so he can work in us and through us because he knows the reason why he created us. And we just have to say, here I am, Lord, do what you will in us and through us because we want to be faithful. Final scripture, Matthew 25. Verse 19. After a long time, the Lord. I have gained beside.
received two tests. Game talents besides this. Thou has been faithful over a few things. I will make thee ruler over many things. Enter thou into the joy of the Lord. Then he which had received the one talent came and said, Lord, I knew thee. He forgot who gave the talent. You know, we be wanting God to do all this stuff and forget that. Just, just remember first that He gave us life. Can, can we just like start there? You know, you know. Sometimes we want to hold God up like, well, God, you haven't done this. He gave you life. Let's start there. Then He gives you ability. Let's go there. So don't treat the Lord and. Hmm. Holy Ghost. So we're actually doing like this guy, but probably not saying the words this guy say. When we're not doing what God wants us to do, we're doing like this guy. We're saying, you a hard man. And you're trying to reap where you haven't sown, so I'm just chilling with what you gave me. When we don't show up and do what God wants us to do, that's really what we're saying. The Lord says, thou wicked and slothful servant, thou knowest that I reap where I sowed not and gather where I have not straw. Thou oughtest therefore to have put my money to the exchanger and then at my coming I Unprofitable servant. Are you being profitable? Because he's throwing unprofitable servants where there's going to be weeping and gnashing of teeth. The thing that I wanted to bring to your attention as I close here with this was when he says, Well done, thou good. And faithful servant. God is not. He's not coming back for the one who gave the most offering. He's not coming back for all the things that we try to put things on to say this is who we are. Faithful servants. You know what that word faithful means? It's not a real big drawn out meaning for that word faithful. It simply means this. To be reliable. 
you to be where I need you to be? Can I rely on you to do what I ask you to do? Can I rely on you? That's all he's asking. He's not telling you to come with the talent. He's not telling you to come with ability. He said, I just need you to be reliable. Oh. The other word is, can you be trusted? So faithful is, can you be reliable and can you be trusted? That's what God is talking about when he says faithful servant, to be faithful. The reason why Timothy, Paul took him under his wing and said, come on, Timothy. Well, Timothy was faithful. Timothy was reliable. Timothy was trustworthy. And so working our lives. The withdrawal slip and give her your debit card and your ID and say you're trying to take out a thousand. And she pull your account up and says, this account's been closed for about a month. (laughs) What do you expect? You didn't put anything in. Uh, uh, That's kind of what we got to not do as Christians is thinking that we can be called faithful and we haven't been doing anything. Let's stand. If we will be faithful, the Bible says he is faithful. And so because he is faithful, we need to be faithful. Somebody say amen. He is faithful. We need to be faithful. your word and oh God we hear so much about the word of God but God I have to be honest because you know everything you know everything and so Lord it wouldn't do me much good to hold back in my expression to you God I want to be more faithful I need to 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 be I need to know how I can be more faithful. I need, I need to know how I can give more of myself to you so you can work in me and through me for your glory and for your honor. And so, God, I'm asking tonight to not just let tonight's Bible study to just be another session that we've come together, the word is spoken, and we say, well, those are the word of God, and we just depart and nothing changed. Nothing, oh God, happened in us. Ah, yes.
through those doors tonight, before we sign off tonight virtually, that something will move upon us. Your Spirit, Lord, will move upon us and do something in us that, God, we will become more faithful. But God, will you show us how we can give more of ourselves? How you will become priority in the way we live, in the way we see. You will be the priority. Oh God, will you help us tonight? Tonight, that we will truly, oh God, reciprocate unto you how you have given to us, Almighty God, how you have been faithful to us, that we will be just as faithful to you. In the name of Jesus Christ, have your way, oh great God. Oh God, have your way. Will you help us, Lord? And change will take place even now, right now, Lord God, that the power from on high will overshadow us and that we will in our life. Let your spirit have preeminence, Lord God. Baptize us, if you will, oh God, with a fresh baptism of the Holy Ghost. That great Have your way, Jesus. By your Spirit, overshadow us, Jesus, that we will not be the same again. We thank you for your word, for your presence. We thank you, O oh God, for what you have done and what you're doing. Oh, Father, have your way tonight. We give you honor and praise. And all these things we pray in the mighty name of Jesus. In the mighty name of Jesus. Let us clap our hands unto the Lord and thank him tonight. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. God bless you. Have a great day. Hallelujah. Oh, blessed be your name, Jesus.
God. Thank you, Lord. 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 Oh, hallelujah. Oh. Global revival coming, but I need you to know that it's already happening. 